Hello and welcome back to Anon Influence brought to you by The Salt, the first to market nano-influencer channel in South Africa as part of South Africa's number one influencer marketing group, Infinity. I'm Andalen Sheikh and we have another great marketer chatting to us in this episode. Today we're in conversation with Leslie Ann Gallant, Digital Marketing Manager at Sunlam Credit Solutions. She is an incredibly passionate digital marketer and you will hear this come through in this episode. At Sunlam, Leslie Ann is the strategic lead in planning and executing targeted data-driven acquisition campaigns that convert high intent audiences into product sales. In general, she loves optimizing e-commerce businesses and improving their online performance and seeing their conversion rates go up. We chat about using influencers in the financial industry and why it's become so popular. The three big things that influencer marketing impacts on businesses and brands, the power of shifting financial education to social media for more accessibility and the big shifts in influencer marketing overall. Enjoy. If you enjoy listening to Anon Influence and find it insightful or helpful or educational, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter. Sign up at the link in our show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good day, Lizzie, and thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate you making time for us. But before we get into this, we all know who you are now. I just always really interested on how people actually find their way into being a digital marketer. So what's your story? Um, a really interesting conversation and it didn't happen so long ago. Um, but I've always been into marketing mostly because of the storytelling behind marketing. And, um, what, where I started, I started with marketing and sales. I was in, um, sales shape and worked at like a hydro, um, saturation building systems. I've started in sales and all over. But and then I broke away from that and had a break and started at a back in the day um, website or directories used to be quite big. Like that was the, very powerful. You had a directory listing a different, um, uh, whether it was services or shops. And one of their places was Cape Town Kids. And it was a website directory for um, families on family um, events and places to stay in place, so family-friendly events. And I first experienced holistic campaigns because back in the day, you just used to post on your directory. But what we decided and what we discovered was the power of social media and holistic campaigns. So that push and pull um, process that you use within digital, pushing it from social media to your platform and back. And the power then drove and impacted that entire business and directly to, to grow to a place that was just became so exciting. Um, and that's how I ended up my in digital marketing. I've just grown from there, from a website directory <laughs> in WordPress. That, that's so interesting because we all have like a story of where you just kind of fell into it and you realize 
there's this thing called social media and you can actually do amazing things with it. And, and here we are. We're all marketers now online. <laughs> I love it. It's great. And it literally all started with like stories and, and like blogging. And everybody had a little small blog post and a Facebook account. It was MySpace back in the day as well. And it started there, really. Oh, no. Very interesting. So we're obviously today talking about specifically influencer marketing. And I really just want to know, and I ask every single guest this question is, when was your first experience of influencer marketing in your career? What did that look like? When was it? And what did you really want to achieve with it? So my first experience, I think, was in 2018. Um, and back then, ad ops managers still sold advertising space based on like impressions and circulation, very similar to how they would have sold space in magazines or new traditional media space. And we, I worked in an agency and we ran a campaign um, called Briar Score. Um, the, the campaign mechanics was a little bit hard to execute. So, you know, in social media or in any campaign to, to drive, um, entries, you need to be able to display or illustrate the mechanics. And so Briar score was quite tricky in that you had to Briar score predicting what South Africa would do in or how they would perform in the games within the World Cup. I think it was a World Cup something like the tournament <laughs> and um, that's a little bit difficult to <laughs> that's a bit difficult to um, illustrate and, and, and demonstrate to drive um, entries and initially we were going to put on um, banner displays on top like websites you know to drive awareness but previously um, I just I've learned very quickly that having that form of advertising doesn't necessarily impact entries. It will dive awareness, but not dive or encourage actual action or performance. And so that's when it was actually with um, the salt. I remember the two ladies that I spoke to for the first time and they presented this influencer campaign. And I thought, oh my word, so different. It was 2018. I never heard of it before. Like I said, we were still buying advertising space um, in the form of like banner ads and things like that. And that was the first time we, I embarked on using influencers, banner influencers. They drove the campaign by demonstrating and illustrating how to enter the campaign and of course they got excited because we didn't exclude them from winning or being part of or being in the entry to win um, the competition or to win prizes within so they the nanos were part of the competition as well so they could do it for themselves um, but then the, we, what we noticed was because of and again the algorithm literally plays in to how those things pick up and speed, pick up speed because then of the engagement, more awareness. And we saw the amount of entries more than double from the previous year based on the fact that's excluding the influences that uh, participated. So they really drove that engagement that we were looking for, especially within a campaign that had such a tricky mechanic. Amazing, and I also am very impressed. I think you're the first guest who's ever said that your first encounter with influencer marketing was with nano influencers. Usually, it is some big celeb that someone booked for a campaign, and you literally used real people 
off the bat, which means you were way ahead of your time, yeah. <laughs> it, it was incredible. It never left me. It formed the basis of a lot of my campaigns and understanding. And that time, we didn't have the paid media backing towards it. So it was organically done. But the yeah. algorithms were different. So it allowed for, for organic engagement and growth um, and reach. But the nanos really, because it was exciting for um, today we brine with your friends and next week they were their family. And so it became um, quite exciting. And we could definitely see everyday real people drive it. It was fantastic. So then what is your kind of experience or what, what you're thinking of the more macro influences, especially in today's world, where nanos obviously... Because they're real people, they're super relatable. They're people that we know. So they obviously have a little bit more influence on us. But what do you think about the macro influences? Do you think there's still a space for them in influence marketing? I think there'll always be space for your celebs and your macros. Um, I believe that there's always space because there's always room for aspirations and you're always dreaming. I think that's what... Um, our human nature enjoys is um, aspiring to achieve more, to be more, to live differently. And I believe the macros have that sort of influence um, to play in that space because they have that reach and they have the impact. Um, I think when you use different size influences from celeb to macro to nano, ultimately depends on your campaign objective and what it is that you're wanting to achieve. I think the best, if I had to advise on a campaign, I think the best is always to have a mix of macros and nanos to support it. So for instance, if you have a macro that's well known within the sports um, industry, for instance, then your nanos would almost be the natural fans of that macro influencer or similar to them. Um, and I think that is when you carry um, quite a bit of weight in your campaign because you're feeding it from all levels. So, yes, I definitely think that there is still space. Um, I do think, though, that regardless of celeb macro micro nanos i think the power in it is the authenticity of those influences i think that your profile holds credibility if you are authentic about the campaign if you believe in it if it's something that you would naturally um involve yourself with or or services that you would try or products that you would consume yourself um, because that holds authenticity. And I think back to holding your true north because you can be involved in anything, but being aware of that influence, it's best to be authentic in the campaigns that you involve yourself. And that's where the power lies. If you're just going to take any campaigns willy-nilly and whatever everybody's throwing at you because you've a hot, person at the time, um, your audience wouldn't know who or what you stand for. And then that's when you lose your power. 
I 100% agree with you. And, and I loved all the points you just said because I'm always preaching that as well. Mix is always great because you get the real people who's actually interested in the product or the service. They're already spending their money on it. They're fans. And then your big guys have such a big place still just for that mass awareness, mass reach. And people still want that aspiration. So 100% agree with that. And they drive the sentiment. I agree. They drive sentiment and, and positioning of your brand or campaign. So, Leslie, and in the in your opinion, what do you think has been the biggest changes that we've seen in the influence marketing industry over the last, say, two years? Because a lot's been happening. So much. Like, if you look back where I started and where we are, it's just a whole new exploding industry big changes the power and the awareness of nano influencers and i think it's basically going back to the marketing of word of mouth i think that's we're going right back to um the fundamentals and the power of of word of mouth and we've just seen that in the digital space explode um and then, of course, the paid media supporting our campaigns. Um, I think that's really powerful because previously you would run your own paid media campaigns with the same with with targeting and how you would run paid media performance and optimize campaigns. Now you can actually back your influencer content as well. And if you've got the right targeting and data points then that means you have more impact and power of who you're influencing, who you're wanting that engagement from. So I feel like it's really what what happened in, in industry now is we've now just been a little bit closer to the bullseye. You can go straight to your target. Um, and I think that's very powerful. And again, I think because it's so powerful to be aware and conscious of the campaigns that you're driving has become again an absolute pivotal point to to drive what you're involving because that's how targeted and influential we can be with our campaigns. I think that's been the two big um, prominent features. 100%. And I think it's just going to keep on evolving. That target is just going to get smaller and smaller and we're just going to be able to, to hit it every time. But to your point, it's very, very important to make sure that the campaigns you're running is for good <laughs> because people do get influenced by all kinds of things, especially online. So Lizzie, and a couple of years ago, it was completely unheard of to have influence marketing play in the financial industry. And we've just seen it pop up more and more and more. Finance, insurance, they've also now started doing influence marketing. Why do you think this is all of a sudden something um, that's kind of grown popularity in that space? Well, I think two things. I don't think that it's it's never been. I mean, you, there are a number of financial institutions that would have hold, held like events where you would have pop um, or well-known artists present. And so there's already affiliation to grow the brand in that sort of way, with through the events and experiences. I think what has changed is how consumers, um, con <laughs> for lack of a better word, but how consumers engage with brands and consume information. 
um, so that it's more prominent to first have an experience with a brand or a person online than you would at an event or in person. Um, and I think that's become prominent because the way users behave and potential consumers and leads engage with products and services starts with the comfort of their own homes with or wherever they are via their devices. And so that's where they're being influenced mostly or first. So that's a first touch point. And I think where what um, financial industries have learned, and we certainly have seen, is again the power of word of mouth so back in the day when you would be talking to your neighbor or your friend about financial advice or you've heard this or you experienced this that would have happened over the fence or at the kitchen table or at a restaurant wherever you were hanging with your friends and it starts out and then you'll, you'll be handed over a card get in touch with this person or you see it and then later on you'll see an ad in a newspaper now you're getting the same word of mouth um, or experiences from your connections or from your social media network and how they are consuming the information through that social media space. And I feel like financial industries are tapping into that consumer behavior now. Um, and that's what's changing um, in the financial industry. It's meeting your consumers where they are. No, absolutely. And we're just seeing it so often now. Um, and I'm like, I was so surprised because you wouldn't think that a financial product or service would translate well into a social media post. But it, funny enough, it does. And I think to your point earlier, it's all about that storytelling. Like if you have someone who had been using your product for a while, they will have a couple of stories, good or bad. We're hoping we get the good ones <laughs> that they will relate to their family and friends and their online connections who will then hopefully be curious and ask more questions and actually check that out um, at the end of the day. And that makes me also wonder, we've spoken about macro and nano earlier, and I think we all agree that there's space for all kinds of influences. But for this type of content, especially when you speak to finance, what kind of uh, content and also what kind of tier of influence do you think um, works best to actually get that message across that word of mouth? Um, again, I think it depends on the campaign or the campaign um, objectives. So, for instance, um, if it's in a brand awareness or launching of a brand product where your primary objective is to create that awareness, then influences with a larger reach and always with a high engagement date is crucial. But I go back to the initial point, a mix of your micro macros and your nanos is pivotal because then you've got the awareness and you almost have the nanos speaking to the experience from a ordinary person's point of view and experience. And um, I think that then holds a great waiting, um, especially to meet your, your objectives. With every campaign will be different objectives and metrics. So, and, and then your, your choice of influences and, and what they are required to do will be based on those objectives and metrics. For sure. And I also think with paid media being so targeted and so effective these days, we don't really need people with massive reach because we will get that 
through our targeting, it all depends on on your budget and again your objectives, what you want to drive there. That's right. So um, our, we ran a, a campaigns where we had always on um, influencers to speak and to grow, and that with your paid media drives that awareness and that reach. And, and because you're speaking to a specific persona or a nano based on their data points, you then can reach the right audience to drive those those metrics. So I think it's always, you, you're right, you don't need the bigger guys, but then for the positioning of, to get the idea of, of you know, what your brand or what your campaign feels like, those guys, I think, do a really great job to position that look and feel of your campaign. And it gives it that little bit. But essentially, it's always the nanos because you trust your friend or the person next door much more than a, um, you know, someone that you, you've seen in a magazine or that you've, you know, you, you know of, but you don't know them. No, for sure. And I think this macro and celebrities also just give a bit of a bit of pizzazz to something. Um, and, you know, like you were saying earlier, if you align kind of the right macro or celeb with your brand, it can do wonders because it is that aspirational aspect as well um, that people do still look for. Oh, that's right. And I think that's always what marketing is does. Marketing and branding gives that edge to products so that you give it becomes tangible what this intangible asset is. You can't feel, you can't tell what a brand looks and feels like um, only through experience. And I think they do a really great job positioning that message. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, Go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. No, that they do. I think they're experts in that. That's why they are the macros. That's <laughs> nice. Correct. Um, but again, like I feel um, your campaign's weight and their clout is driven by your everyday people. And the mix is, I th- once you've got oh, the sure. right mix, you've got a winning formula. I agree. So then obviously you're quite a fan of influence marketing. You've been a digital marketer for quite a while. What do you think is the three biggest benefits of any brand um, tapping into influencer marketing? Um, Well, one of it and the success is the impact and engagement that you can drive and tap into to a targeted audience. Um, and I think that plays really well into how algorithms work because if you've got 10 people going and talking about the same thing within a um, sort of a field, then that gives that content extra weight and the algorithm then pushes it. So you for the brand that translates into a very cost-effective method to get your message or your campaign across. Um, two, brands always, I think, one of those, the, the impacts to drive a success or that measures a successful brand is what people say about them. 
and how many people are saying things about them. So your sentiment of the brand and that chatter. And I've seen um, influencer campaigns, specifically when you use a squad of nanos, how it has a direct impact on the sentiment of a brand. And that then does translate, whether it's immediate or further down the line, into sales or leads for the, to, the business to generate. So it influences a one, you are in, you impact a cost-effective method of driving your message. Two, you then have impact on your brand sentiment and chatter. So that grows and then that results or generates into leads or sales. I think those are the three big things that influence marketing um, impacts and, and get and benefits brands or businesses. Those are three really big things that I feel like not all brands always think about. I think there's some uh, marketers that still think influencers are only there for awareness, but it's so much more than that. Oh, no, definitely. Um, I've seen how campaigns can impact your leads generation. And again, it depends on having a clear campaign objective and um, metric set. Without that, I think, yes, it would be for awareness, but you can create a full uh, holistic 360 campaign that involves and hits all of those targets and objectives. And I've seen it happen. And, because, you know, when something happens uh, recurringly, then it's not a strike of luck. It's actually science behind it. Um, and I and I, I believe in that. I've seen the power of it. And because, again, because of the power, you be aware of, of the campaigns that you ran um, because you have great impact. That has phenomenal impact on your business. I think you just mentioned something so important is that you can't go into a campaign without having clear objectives because then for me, it's like, how did you even plan or how did you make a strategy around that because then it's just for me it's like a throwaway tactic oh let's just get someone online to talk about it but if you're not measuring it i, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> no, it's so risky to not and i think that's the exciting part about digital marketing is that you can measure it and you can measure the impact and that's the return on investment of your campaigns um traditionally if it was an ad on TV flighted, you, I mean, you could do a little bit of like an overlaying, um, but actual direct results is a little bit more of a guess uh, or assumptions than the digital marketing space, where you can see your impact um, and the performance of your media spend. So, yes, <laughs> those matrix are... That's why I also love it. There's no guesswork. There isn't. No, once you hit that that science and, and once you understand, firstly, like you said, the strategy and, and how the dots connect, you have measurements in place. And, and it's like thing events firing well, and if it's not firing there, you know that that needs to be optimized um, and you can see it fitting through. And I absolutely love that because it's like a, a game that you get <laughs> to the next level. On every level, you're just optimizing what you're doing. Um, 
suppose that goes down to those days of TV games, you know, Super Mario Brothers, where you're collecting your coins. <laughs> it feels like that. <laughs> so, yes, um, that's the exciting part about digital marketing. And influencers or is not just the awareness channel. It, it's a powerful um method that can be integrated with all your other channels to create an impactful campaign and that's regardless of the campaign messaging i mean i've seen it when you had to apply your score which is incredibly different difficult mechanic but you can see the influence on it and if you've you've layered all of your channels and integrated them holistically then that means you hit right down the funnel from awareness down into engagement to the do phase and you can go right as far as retention because once you bolt your base you then keep bringing them back they re-engage and that also then becomes cheaper or more cost effective because you have a returning audience for sure and i also love that you speak about influence marketing as part of a holistic campaign and not always a standalone because I do think there's so much power in it obviously being a standalone, but once you plug it into all your other marketing activities, boy, oh boy, then you really, really see the power of everything working together. That's exactly that. Like you wouldn't have a social media campaign running separately to your traditional space or from your paid or your Google paid ads. They run together and integration that's that's your winning formula. So what advantages have you found outsourcing your influencer marketing campaigns to, to specialist agencies? Because we know a lot of people try to do it on their own. It's really a headache. They don't have the relationships. They're always going back and forth with fees and deliverables. But we all know these actual agencies has been this all they do. They live and breathe it. So they're really good at it. <laughs> Um, yes, the headache. I think the negotiation, there's so many benefits. One of it is just to take that headache away. I think people can be difficult um, and it requires negotiations and understanding for your, you matching the brand to your influencer. That is in itself, um, I mean, it's quite a difficult feat. So the specialists, match your data points of your campaign or your brand to the ideal influencer. And I mean, if you just look at the social media space, you can tell how many users there are. So to scroll the web looking for your ideal influencer is incredibly time consuming. And then negotiating their cost is also just a nightmare that I, I'm happy to avoid. Um, and managing that relationship is um, incredibly difficult and time-consuming because relationships require time. Um, and in a digital marketing space, where you've got, like I said, it's an, it's a one of the channels integrated into a campaign. So to not have to deal, and you don't want to make people feel like they're just a number. And I think that's where the specialist agencies really excel at is building those relationships with the influencers on your behalf. Um, and that's, that takes a weight off my shoulders. And then, of course, um, matching those data points is you know that the people that 
you um, you briefed in um, and the influencers propose match the data points. And data points are not just demographics data points, but data points with regards to their followers and the engagement because you know there's bots around so things that you can't see with the naked eye anymore Um, and I feel like that's where the specialist agencies really tap into so you've got you get the um, extent of knowing that you're working with credible influencers and at a cost effective time efficient um, space and I, that's what I love about this and I, I wouldn't take it in-house now that's <laughs> that's a headache <laughs> I love all those points because they so I think relatable to every marketer you've got so many things going that really spending your time chasing down an influencer shouldn't be one of your headaches 100% no like I <laughs> no <laughs> Especially when you're running a campaign, <laughs> I just thought of imagined it. No, especially when you're running a, running a campaign with <laughs> with a large squad of influencers. I mean, at any given time, if you're running with like twenty people, imagine t- t- <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, I just thought of chasing no. twenty people. No, no, we don't have time for that. Sorry. <laughs> So that's actually brought us to the end of our conversation, Lizzie-Anne. Thank you so much for joining us. But before you go, I would love for you to just give us a couple of learnings that you have gathered since your first campaign experience in 2018 to where you're now, where other people might can kind of learn from you and not make the same mistakes. Um, so there's been a few. I mean, it's just... It, the game changed really quickly, so there's been constant learnings. Um, a big part of that is when you do select your influencers or knowing the campaign. So one, first keeping that campaign and making sure that you aligned from an integrity point of view and that you authentically support it. Um, because you have great influence over many people and the ripple effect of what you do is really extends far and wide. And then also taking that same thinking and same integrity when you view the influences and their content. So making sure that who you're partnering with is aligned to the campaign and the brand authentically in their own space. That means taking time to also just view their own profiles. Um, just because they're hot in one industry doesn't mean it's suitable for your brand or campaign. And I think that makes your content credible and it's very important for us digital marketers to remain authentic, credible and, and credible in the space where we, we have such great impact. Um, and my learnings from that is when you don't, and luckily touch wood that it hasn't happened in our campaigns, but I've seen it happen in other brand campaigns where consumers are aware of the misalignment. And then that causes a lot of negative chatter and sentiment because the influencer doesn't authentically meet the brand campaign or messaging. And that causes a lot of trouble for the influencer themselves. And that 
and as well as the brand. And, I, and that's a learning that I'm glad I've witnessed from afar <laughs> and not something that I've needed to think this experience myself. Um, and I think that's the biggest lesson, especially in this space. For me, then I've also seen that happen and always been so thankful that I wasn't involved in those campaigns because everyone's like, oh, they trended. And you're like, for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> you don't I, want that. <laughs> can happen so quickly and every day you play in this space, um, <laughs> say a silent prayer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, sure. but yes, yeah, so <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> um, and, and I think that if digital marketers are aware of the impact and remain credible with integrity in the campaigns that they done and will they speak with and the influence they use and influences remain authentic and credible with integrity in the campaigns that they select and choose. Um, we can really change and shift the narrative. And also from an educational space, um, you can you can really drive, you have so much influence and impact on the environment um, that you, you work in. So yeah, I think that's, the lesson, like, stay to you. <laughs> That's so cheesy. Videos. <laughs> well, it's not because I think those are fantastic learnings. Um, I think sometimes when you're so caught up in your brand, your campaigns, you don't always think about those things, and you need to take that step back and, like you say, do your due diligence. Yes, we've selected these amazing influences for you, but it's also up to you to ultimately go through their profile because you know your brand better than anyone else. To go, you know what, actually a post they did two years ago doesn't really align with us mm -hmm. um, because also digital, we've seen those tweets. It's like, so, oh, I found this tweet from four years ago, this person, and now they're aligned with this brand. And now you have to do crisis comms. Can you please <laughs> avoid that? that <laughs> so if you can avoid those things, yeah, and, and I think for the influence as well, it's important that you're aware of what you're posting in every sense of the word. Absolutely. Um, that also does influence it. It's like, it's basically our online CV now. It's a walking, talking CV. Um, very different to where we were years ago. I think that's also from where I started to where we are, it's a different beast. Um, I mean, we've all said that and done some strange things years ago. <laughs> now it's it's online, and so we do need to be cognizant <laughs> of those times when we're popping bottles. <laughs> no, you're right. The first thing when you meet someone new is to it uh, used to be to Google them, now it's to go on Instagram and or Facebook to find them and see see what they actually talk about. Mm. And then you go like, oh, this person's opinion's not for me, eh? <laughs> Let's move along. <laughs> or you know what? We've got very similar interests. We're going to be great friends. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how I like, I wonder, you know, those coaches that taught us back in the day on the first impressions where it was eye contact and a firm handshake. Like when in the next few generations it's going to be a strong profile pic, <laughs> clear bio, is going to be the new eye contact and handshake. 
More than likely, yes. I honestly think it's already there, especially on LinkedIn. Yes, it's crazy. Like make sure your LinkedIn bios are, are clear. You you utilize the platform quite often. Show your expertise. That that literally is more than than anything at this stage. It is. It's insane. But I think that with from an influencer space, it's that that emphasis on keeping up. You know, is keeping up and keeping true um, becomes a fine line that you you can swing because social media was created to give you that buzz um and being aware of that and i think that knowing that and being involved in it and knowing how that has ripple effect and insights um will guide you and i think it makes the space very exciting because so much power and so much good can be done through these mediums so much forms. I mean, education has already just shifted. Financial education has shifted because of the space. We have access to financial information now that we wouldn't have had years ago. It becomes leveled out playing fields all across um, for generations. And I think that has such power because shifting financial knowledge, education, shifts financial behaviors through literacy and that changes families and generations so it's greatly impactful absolutely and i think that's a wonderful thought to end off on um, think about the impact that you cause as a brand and an influencer thank well, you so you. much leslie Ann, for joining us and hopefully we'll chat soon thank you for having me and i really enjoyed the conversation big pleasure this podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.